From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Joe Hawthorne, and you're listening to Eclipsed. When Bijan and I went up to Boston to report our series on Deer Island, we spent a day with DJ Gillis. And I really mean a full day. We drove to DJ's place, interviewed him, had lunch, had tea with his mom, and explored his old stomping grounds. We learned a lot about DJ and what it's like to be a diver. So much so that it only seemed right to end the first season of Eclipsed with a personal history. A history that includes lavish spending, underwater naps, and even bank robberies. So after the break, I present our day with DJ. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So on an early Tuesday morning, we pull up to DJ's family home and are greeted by his mom. Uh, in here, if you want, dear. Sure. Oh yeah. Yes. Get in here, guys. Okay. There was something odd about our entry. DJ's mom, Lorraine, is being super nice, and that part seems genuine. It's just who she is. But it's almost like she's trying to buy some time. How long did it take us to drive? Were you in Boston last night? So did you like uh, Boston? Have you been here before? I have. Then we realize what's wrong. DJ isn't home, and Lorraine is definitely stalling. Our interview subject, the guy we've traveled up to Boston to meet, is MIA. You were originally from New York, uh, Joe? I'm from Brooklyn. Brooklyn? Gosh, I didn't know this used with the real New York accent. I love the accent. Forget about it. Turns out that DJ stayed overnight at his job. He works in a garage welding trucks, and after a long shift, he fell asleep in his car. We're waiting for more than an hour, and are about to give up when we get a text. Uh, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Okay, perfect. So we'll just stay here. Okay. When you start to pack up, that's what happens. Sharp shoes, sharp boots. And just then, the door bursts open, and DJ makes his grand entrance. Like I said a few episodes ago, it was a total vibe shift. DJ walks into his mom's tidy home with work boots, knee pads, and dirt on his face. Hey, gentlemen. Hey, how's it going? My sincere apologies. No worries. DJ asks if it's okay to smoke, and then goes into the kitchen to get a small tub of Nusa yogurt. Good entrance. Very good entrance. Getting a pretty good interview, I think. Yeah. Okay, Very gentlemen. Good. <laughs> All right. Let me grab one thing. We grab a towel. Put on the sure. chair. Sure. Put on my neck. Mom, you have a towel I can put on your chair. DJ gets a cold towel for his neck, and a dry towel so he doesn't get his mom's chair dirty. We asked DJ to start at the beginning and tell us about himself as a kid. He went to vocational school, specializing in metal work. The jobs, though, got really boring, and DJ tried scuba diving in a nearby lake to pass the time. At first, it was like, wow, I'm underwater, it's cool, you know? 
And then, I don't know, about 30 minutes later, like, this sucks. This is scuba diving, you know? And guys come out of the water really excited that they got down to 72 feet, you know? And I'm like, I think I've fallen 72 feet in the same night and stayed out drinking, you know what I mean? It's got to be something more exciting about it than this. DJ was looking for bigger thrills, and that's when he found his calling. There was a class in ahead of us. I started reading a magazine, the diving magazine, and there was a story in there about a commercial diving. And it had a picture of this commercial diver, and I thought he was the baddest-looking dude on the block. You know, just, I thought all the gear was cool. Just like a kid thinks a spaceman is cool, right? So DJ puts money aside. He looks for Pell Grants to help pay tuition, and he gets into commercial diving school in Houston on the Gulf of Mexico. For about half a year, DJ is a full-time dive student, and works delivery for Pizza Hut to pay the bills. He basically lived off Pizza Hut leftovers. But when he finally graduated, he couldn't find a job. Not as a diver, anyway. Eventually, he landed something. It was $5 an hour to start working in the yard of the diving company, sandblasting and painting decompression chambers. He's so close to the water, but he's not diving yet. Cleaning equipment was not what DJ pictured himself doing when he saw that ad in the diving magazine. He remembers wondering if he had taken his life completely in the wrong direction. There was an Air Force base nearby, and DJ would sometimes look up from some tank he was scrubbing to see F-16 fighter jets, piloted by guys having real adventures. You thinking to yourself, man, that guy up there is the same age as me, probably. And he got up this morning and had a beautiful breakfast in an air-conditioned environment and put on his cool flight suit and got in his $45 million jet and he's screaming across the sky and I'm down here with a chipper chipping paint off a decompression chamber that I may never see the inside of. DJ was discouraged, but he didn't feel like he could give up. You can't just quit your first job out of school or go home when a trip gets hard. So DJ toughs it out and eventually gets real diving work in the Gulf. He's fitting pipes underground, he's inspecting wells during oil spills, he's coaching fellow divers. It's tough work on a strict clock. But DJ's a legit diver now. He gets to suit up and take the plunge into the deep water. It's not a dream anymore. It's a reality. The ups and downs are very real. What the fuck did I get myself into? You know, what well, What was I thinking? This is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever done in my life. I'm down here freezing myself to death, shivering, shaking, hoping that thing above me doesn't break and crush me, hoping this welding machine that I'm using here to cut and burn with doesn't electrocute me. You know, hoping this, hoping that, hoping I see what they're sending down to me because it's murky and I can't to other times where you're in crystal clear water way out in the Gulf and you're in a little cage doing your decompression and you're looking up at all the spots in the water and you're like, what's causing the light to shine like that? Until you realize that that shining, those shining spots of light coming to the water is actually uh, a whale fish. You know, one of the most beautiful creatures you'll ever lay your eyes on. DJ rides those highs and lows. He loves the work. And he loved the people he worked with. A brotherhood that very much had its own culture. When you start hearing clink, clinkity, clink on top of your helmet, you usually know what that is. You've usually come across an oyster bed. 
and the guys up top can hear everything. They hear you curse, swear, cry, whatever you do over the radio. You know, they, they we got to hear everything that's going on with the divers. So they'll hear that clinkity, 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 clink, clink. And if you're an experienced diver, you know what it is. And they'll just tell you the bucket's on the way, you know. And you know what that's for. That bucket's full of holes in the bottom and it's to start filling it up with oysters. And the guys are sitting up top and they're just cracking oysters. They got a big tub of ice out of the galley and they dump them all in there and they're just cracking oysters and hot sauce and having a ball. And you're threatening them the whole time. There better be some of them left when I get out of here, you know. And then when you're in the chamber for four or five hours afterwards, you're looking out a little port window and everybody's out there eating the oysters. Yeah, you decompress and they'll come over with the cooler, they'll open it and there'll be like one oyster in there and they'll be like, mine? <laughs> but meanwhile, there's a whole cooler full of them that they didn't let you know about. So DJ has established himself as a diver in the Gulf. He has a job based in Louisiana, but he wants to be closer to his mother and the rest of his family. He wants to return to Massachusetts. The union, though, keeps turning him away. The business agent at Local 56, Local 56, his name is Dave Woodman. He was very gruff. Really, he was a stocky, burly guy. Talk like that. You know, and you were scared to, I mean, you were scared to go in and say, hey, Dave, happy birthday, man. Here's keys to a new Ford truck, bro. It's on me. Thank you. You'd be scared to do that because you don't know what he's going to. DJ might have been scared of the union boss, but he persisted and kept calling him. And the day I was getting ready to leave to go back to Louisiana, my brother comes and says, hey, D, some guy, Dave Woodman, calls. He goes, fucking miserable prick, you know? <laughs> Sounds like he was yelling at me, wanting to know where you were. Union Dave tells DJ to report for diving work at 7 a.m. Monday morning, which is DJ's big chance. But that weekend, DJ has a particularly epic run of partying and debauchery, even by party boy DJ standards. That Friday afternoon, he's arriving home from work in the Gulf when some ladies catch his eye. They're drinking wine and listening to metal next door. And before he knows it, the picnickers call him over, hand him a beer, and DJ starts flirting. The party goes for several days. Monday morning, he groggily shows up in front of the harbor supervisor. Not the union boss, the supervisor who's in charge of the job DJ was just hired for. Well, he goes, he goes hey man, he goes, uh, what time did Dave tell you to be here? I said, uh, he said work was starting at 7. He goes, what time is it now? I says, uh, almost 9. He goes, yeah. He goes, uh, you ever show up on this job this time again without a legitimate excuse? It'll be the last time. The thing is, DJ is a great storyteller he delivers his new boss a detailed report on the parties and the women of his dreams. It's enough to win the boss over. And then DJ jumps into the water and works 10 times faster than the last diver. So when the gruff union boss calls for a report on the kid from the Gulf, DJ gets nothing but praise. And here's the thing. The supervisor who put in that stellar report on DJ's first day in Boston was Tap Taylor the guy that would hire DJ for Deer Island. I get a call from Tap Taylor, and he says, DJ, listen, I've got a job, man, uh, and I, I need some more guys. And do you know anybody that's not working? And I says, no, Tap, I don't. He says, what about you? You already know that story, but we'll get into DJ's life after Deer Island and the rest of our day with him. 
after the break. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. And we're back at DJ's mom's place. DJ was starting to nod off after his long shift at the job site. We decided a trip outside to get lunch would help revive him. So DJ headed upstairs to get ready. But half an hour later, he still hadn't come down. Oh man, yeah, we could use some food. It's almost too dirty. Yeah. He's taking a shower. I heard the water in the bathroom. This is what reporting is. Asking someone to share their time and their story. You need to fit into their life. And sometimes that means sitting awkwardly in their mom's home, even when it becomes apparent they fell asleep upstairs. Finally, he comes down. Hello. How are you, bud? All right, how you doing? Oh, I'm all right. Ready to eat? Yeah, what do you mean you want, All right, let's, uh, fuck Joe? I had decided to go off recording ambient noise. Eventually, we all got back together and headed towards the big commercial street. DJ showed us all the old drinking holes and where all the fights used to go down. And then we settled at a Thai restaurant. To be honest with you, I, um, I was just thinking on the walk here, I was like, Jesus Christ, how long was I upstairs? Could have been two minutes. It could have been an hour. I don't know. <laughs> it was closer to an hour than in two minutes. Was it really? Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, God, I wish you fellas, I wish we knew each other a little better so you would have been comfortable enough to say, hey, DJ, you know, come on, man. I'm, I'm growing a beard out here. DJ's nap had been a desperate move to recover from his all-nighter on the job site. He'd been so tired that he had to be careful on the drive home to meet us for the interview. But um, I, I did all right on the ride home. I was okay. With the exception of the um, occasional ass chewing from my mother, which you guys probably didn't hear. I don't know if you did or not. She's starting to kick you in your ass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she will. She'll still do it. DJ went on to tell us about Deer Island, but his mom was one of the people that really witnessed the job's after effects. Yes, she was an enforcer, but she was also a caregiver. Lorraine was filling in as a nurse for a nearby wealthy patient. This was the week JFK Jr.'s plane crashed, which was all over the TV news. A dark day for America. John F. Kennedy Jr., his wife Carolyn, and her sister Lauren Bissett still are missing tonight. Kept watching it, and then they made an announcement that there had been an accident at the Deer, I Deer Island Project. And I thought, oh my God, I said, wait, that's where DJ sat. Lorraine called a friend to drive her to the hospital, where she found out that DJ was physically all right but two of his friends had died in the tunnel. I couldn't imagine being trapped in there, the dark. When DJ told me when that happened and he came home, he he just, lucky he didn't commit suicide. He was that depressed. 
We just stayed in bed for days, crying just like a little kid. They were all so happy together. You know, it was a dangerous job, but they still had fun and they, they loved what they were doing. Yeah. All of them. I felt that in our conversation throughout the day with DJ. He was obviously heartbroken about the accident and he loved so much of his work. I should also say about Lorraine that yes, she keeps DJ in check and yes, she's a caretaker in his time of need, but she's also in awe of her son. But D, thank God, he has no fear. And I'd put my life on it that if DJ was in an airplane and uh, something went upside down, uh, I think he could jump in a cockpit and land that thing. He, he's just, it's amazing the things that he can do. Back in the restaurant with DJ, we talk more about the tunnel then leave for a meandering walk back to his home. Gorgeous day. I can't believe how beautiful it is. We really lucked out. Yeah, we did. So why'd you, uh, why'd you quit commercial diving? It gets a bit windy at this part, but basically DJ explains how he got a sizable injury settlement and qualified for disability checks. He savvily used those funds to flip houses, which made DJ even more money. But he also remembered spending it on custom cars, custom motorcycles, cruises, and paying for other people's custom cars and vacations. You know, so I go out and spend a bunch of money and stuff, and then in three months I'd make sixty-five, seventy-five thousand dollars, and say, "Well, what's the problem? There's the money I spent. I just made it back, right? <laughs> I got this thing figured out pretty good." So I thought I was just a Boeing seven forty-seven flying with nobody in the cockpit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't have a father around. I didn't really. My poor mother wasn't able to keep real good tabs on me. You know, I, nobody really wanted to say too much to me because of what had happened. You know, man, don't don't be riding the kid. Don't be telling him what to do. Just, just you know, let him do his fucking thing, and he'll be all right. Well, but that didn't work, and things got worse. So anyway, the money goes, and I end up getting in trouble. With a friend of mine, uh, he's robbing banks. I'm driving the getaway car. We finally get caught after about 14 of them. We go away to federal prison for a while. Unlike his days as a diver, there's not a lot of glamour to this part of DJ's story. He helped his friend stick up local banks and built up a rap sheet of felony theft and assault. It's not something I want to shy away from, but we also don't push him on it. We came for the story of Deer Island to get that story right. The rest is DJ's story to tell. Out of prison, DJ went back to diving in the early 2000s. In Boston, and then actually back in the Gulf. Then, after Katrina, he stops diving. Stop dying, so whichever angle you want to walk in, feel free. Yeah, it only matters, you just gotta follow the microphone, that's it. Oh, I'm sorry guys, <laughs> I forgot about that. No worries. It's Joe's job to find you. <laughs> it's been a little while since I worked in Hollywood. <laughs> we make our way back up the block and onto Lorraine's front porch. It's been a while, but DJ said that one of his old managers had reached out. He started listing the training he needed, the equipment, the time it would take for him to get back in the water. You know, I need to be fresh to be supervising people properly in this line of work. Yeah. So that's what I would, uh, Do you miss it? Uh, yes, I miss it a lot. I miss it a lot. Um, Normally I was single when I worked, so I didn't have 
you know, children and a wife to worry about so much. Um, you know, I had one child, Cody, um, and uh, she, Michelle was she was remarried, and they were doing their own thing. And there wasn't much I could really do. So, standing there, we realized DJ's mom had left, and we were locked out of the house. We stood there stuck, talking about how DJ was kind of stuck. We kept talking for a while. And then he figured a way out, or in. Wait, let me run around to the back door and see. DJ opened the door around the back. We got the rest of our equipment and headed out. And that was it. A roundabout end to a long day. So this is the end of our first season. We spent 42 episodes talking about overlooked moments in history. And really, there's no history more likely to be overlooked than the history of a given person's life. I mean, how often does a person with a microphone get to spend a full day with someone? And I'm really grateful that we did it. There's a lot more to DJ than the disaster at Deer Island. And there's a lot more to any story than you ever have time to tell. It's been a great season here at Eclipsed. From everyone on the team, I want to thank you so much for listening and for reaching out. See you next time. Eclipsed is a production of Campside Media. This week, it's hosted by me, Joe Hawthorne, and written by Michael Canyon Meyer. We're produced by Lynn Gerbig, Joe Hawthorne, and Tanita Rachmani. Special thanks to DJ Gillis, Donald Hosford, Lorraine Jones, and Doug McDonald for sharing their time and experience. Thanks to Rhea Convery and David Deust for showing us the modern Deer Island facility and explaining in great detail how everything works. And a big thank you to author Neil Swidey. His book, Trapped Under the Sea, One Engineering Marvel, Five Men in a Disaster Ten Miles into the Darkness, was very helpful in reporting this series. If you'd like to learn more, I highly recommend checking out his book. Archival research by Caitlin Rathy. We're fact-checked by Alex Yablon. Our engineers are Garrett Tiedemann and Ewen Lai-Tremuen. Our theme song is by Doug Slaywin. Our executive producers are Bijan Steven and Michael Partyboy Canyon Meyer. The executive producers at Campside Media are Matt Scher, Adam Hoff, Josh Dean, and Vanessa Gregoriadis. If you want to say hello or what's up, drop us a line at eclipsed at campsidemedia.com or tweet at us at EclipsedPod, or send us a text, or 917-810-3294. Thanks for listening. See you next time.